My wife brought home a 12-pack of uh, Coke the other day, and um, I noticed something on it. They have just, they've started this little program, and I don't know if you can read it from here. Can you guys get this? Um, it says, mycokerewards.com. And um, I knew I was going to be preaching a message on rewards program, and I thought, wait a minute, Coke's got something about this. So I went to this little website, and I found out what's going on. You can buy uh, Coke products. Um, I think it's like a 12-pack thing or a 2-liter. And you get these little caps on them, and uh, you, you take it, and you go to their website, and you enter like 15 digits, and you have to like register yourself so you're not just stealing somebody else's Coke. And you get to register for prizes. And I thought, man, what a cool thing that is. I started looking at the prizes, you know, and they've got stuff all the way from the real obvious, like, win a free Coke, to stuff that kind of gets a little more elaborate, like uh, up to, I saw one you could win the hood of a NASCAR uh, car. NASCAR. Car. Sorry. Um, you could win stuff like uh, free trips to the Bahamas, or you could go to, the, you know, the, to a recording studio and, and do a, a thing. And, uh, and so I, th- I got thinking about that a little bit. It's so cool because you know, what they're trying to do is establish your behavior with Coke by offering you stuff. Well, you may have a, you may have like a credit card that does the same thing. Let me, in fact, how many of you are currently enrolled in some kind of a rewards program somewhere? Let me see. Okay, okay, great, about half of you. You know, like my, uh, the Discover card that I, that I like to use. It, they, you know, it pays to discover. That's what they say. You know, and there's a little bit of cash back, and you get, get to apply it to partners, you know, partner people with them and, and, and get rewards for what you spend. But you know, Discover and Visa and American Express and Delta and all these people, they were not the first people to come up with a rewards program. I guess you know that. You probably already figured that out. That's why the, we're talking about it in church. God came up with a rewards program before he ever set foot on this earth in, the, in Jesus Christ. He had a rewards program already set up. And today we're going to talk about that some. And what I hope today, my hope for you is that when you leave, you may not necessarily agree with the things that I've said this morning, but I hope it at least gives you wonderful discussion over lunch, and I hope it makes you think. Okay, those are my two goals for today, is just give you something to talk about and something to think about. Because God's got some amazing things to promise us in his word today, in this, in this sermon that we're going to call Rewards Program. So let's just jump right into it. First of all, you enrolled in God's Rewards Program the day you accepted Christ. Now, some of you in here have not yet made that huge step of placing your faith in Christ. And you know what? We hope that today is the day for that. We hope that in just a little while at the end of this message, I'm going to give you a chance to place your faith in Jesus Christ, and I hope you do that today. But for those of you who have already done that, you are enrolled in God's reward program. Now, let me just try to clarify something right here at the beginning before we jump into this today. What I'm talking about today is I am talking about what we're going to do in this life to receive rewards in the life to come. In other words, determine how you're going to live in heaven forever. This is not how you get to heaven, okay? There's some some, uh, churches, unfortunately, and religion so often teaches that we can get ourselves to heaven, that if we clean ourselves up or if we live enough good and it balances out the bad, somehow we're going to get into heaven. The Bible says that's not the case. The Bible says there is no way that you can get to heaven on your own. Zero, zippo, zilch. Nada. You can't get there on your own, okay? It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you can get into heaven, and it's through his precious blood that we have entrance there. That's what we're talking about when we say salvation, getting into heaven. But when we're ta- today, we're talking about rewards in heaven. We're saying your, your destination is secure, 
but your lifestyle in heaven is what we're, what's at stake. So let's talk about this some today. Um, rewards, I'm going to just move this out of my way for a second. Rewards, I don't know if, if you grew up in church like I did, but, but rewards to me were always kind of like this um, very vague, kind of odd thing. I mean, they would, you know, I'd hear sermons about it, and it would be like, you know, live good, do what's right, and when you get to heaven, you know, Jesus is going to say, well done. Um, you may get some crowns, some jewels in your crowns, and by then I'm already starting to check out. I'm thinking I'm getting a crown, and I'm getting jewels in my crown. I'm thinking Burger King, you know, the little <laughs> paper hats. And, uh, and then you're going to cast these crowns at Jesus' feet, and then we're all going to live in heaven. Okay, that's cool, and the Bible does talk about some of that. But often the context was left out. The context is this, is that we do get rewards in heaven. And some of those rewards God does refer to as crowns. I don't know if that's a metaphor, which we're going to talk about in just a second, or an actual physical crown. But the Bible says that, that heaven is a real place with a real life. That's what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. And I want to show you today, just real briefly, that the rewards that God talks about are real things. They establish the way that you're going to live for all of eternity. Now, what are some of these rewards? Let's talk about this for a second. One of the rewards is rulership. Now, I want you to think about this as kind of, what, well, like I said, I want to challenge you to think. One of the rewards in heaven is rulership. Now, you might go, rule over what? Rule over who? Where? I don't know all the details on that because God hasn't given them all to us, but he has said that there will be rulership. Some people will be over other people and vice versa. In fact, he says, uh, let's, let's take a look at a verse real quick. Go, go over to Matthew um, chapter 19. Matthew 19. If you don't have your Bibles, there's a, pew in, uh, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you there. Matthew chapter 19. I would love for you just to follow along with me on that. That way, too, if you get bored while I'm talking, you can just read some other stuff. <laughs> Matthew 19. They're going to put that up on the screen as I read this. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, we're talking about heaven, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so he's already, he's talking to his disciples there, and he said, you guys are going to be rulers in heaven. Go on down to verse 30. It says, many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So we're just kind of establishing there seems to be levels of importance in heaven. There seems to be levels of ruling. Over in Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus tells a parable um, about the guys who ha have been given uh, the stewardship of some finances. They, they do a good job with it, some of them do, and they're given governorship over 10 cities or governorship over five cities. Um, and so God, God keeps talking about this idea of ruling. There's some other verses that talk about we will rule and reign with him. Okay, That's not just a guaranteed blanket promise to everybody. That's a, one of the rewards that God distributes in eternity. Okay, Now maybe that doesn't get you fired up, but if you think about it, here on earth, what do we spend so much time striving for? We want to be in first in line, right? I mean, we want to be like the big dog. We want to be the one that people come to us with the questions. We want to be the people that, you know, that people look up to and say they really know what they're doing. Well, you know what? That, that desire in itself is not wrong. Did you realize that? 
The problem is so often it's misdirected. We spend our time in this life trying to make that happen. And we want people to look up to us now. We, we want to be able to be, you know, have ownership and rulership in this life. God placed that desire within us, and he says that one day we'll be able to fulfill that desire based on what we do now. All right, the second thing God does with rewards. This is the big one for us. Bible says that there are actually possessions in heaven. Things, stuff, quality of life, you might call it. I mean, if you think about it, in this life, we spend all of our time, what, trying to get ahead, right? We're, we're trying to make money so that we can buy that next bigger house or we can buy the, the next thing or we can, you know, finally be comfortable and not just be struggling to, 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 meet, to make ends meet. And, and we spend all of our time working on quality of life issues, for lack of a better term. Well, in heaven, in eternity, there's a quality of life. It's not an equal playing field in heaven. That's the part that's going to blow your mind just a little bit because we're used to thinking, well, we all go to heaven and we're all just kind of doing heavenly things and it's just kind of fun. And the Bible says heaven's going to be wonderful for everybody. Don't get me wrong here. Heaven's going to be wonderful for everybody, but the Bible also says that there are differences in heaven. There are distinctions. Some people, get ready, some people will enjoy heaven more than other people. Let that sink in for just a second. Some people will actually experience more in heaven than other people. We're talking about for eternity. We're not talking about for 60, 70, 80, 90 years. Let that sink in for just a moment because it should make a a revolutionary change in the way that you think about heaven. Because it's not just default, everybody's all happy, we're all doing our thing, Equal playing field? No. The Bible says there are differences in heaven. I can give you tons of scriptures for that, but I'm, that's not the focus of what I want to talk about today. I just want to make sure you're aware of that, that there are differences in heaven. Now, how is this all going to come about? How do we get our rewards? The Bible says that when you die or when Jesus comes back, you will stand before Jesus Christ himself to analyze what you've done for him. Okay? He is going to be our judge. The Bible says that God has given all power to the Son to judge. And so Paul describes this for us. If you look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Listen to this. It says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now this is how it will go down. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go back a book before that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And go down to verse 12. Anyone who builds on that foundation, that foundation refers to Jesus in the verse before, may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Let me kind of summarize. He says each of us are building something right now with your lives. You're building something. And you're using a variety of materials. You might be using some really good stuff like precious metals. Or you might be using some really cheap and easy stuff, straw. He said, you're building, but one day that's going to be analyzed to see the quality of your work, okay? Go on down. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. You get in the picture? It's like a big bonfire, right? (laughs) Uh, we've built all this stuff, and before Jesus, they kind of come, and you know, here comes the, the torch dude, and he, whoosh, and here it goes. Is the stuff that you're doing now, is it the kind of stuff that's going to make it through that fire, or is it the stuff that just is kind of like the, you know, the kindling for that fire? It says, if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss, 
Think about that for just a second. Because we're saying there's differences in heaven, right? Imagine getting to heaven, and you know you're in heaven, and that's really cool because it's going to be wonderful. The Bible says it's an amazing place. But on that day of judgment, you realize what you could have experienced. You realize that you just suffered some loss. That, kind of, that would really stink. The builder would, will be saved, I like this phrase, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. In other words, you made it out of hell's fire, but when you got to heaven, you realized, man, I wish I had done so much more. Well, allow this to be your wake-up call. Allow this to be the day that we kind of get things in gear because I'm going to change the way that you think about heaven. Now, you might be one of these spiritual people, and you kind of go, you know what, rewards, that just seems like a really cheesy way to get me to behave. I mean, that seems like kind of a you know, strange deal. Shouldn't we just serve God because we love him? Shouldn't we do what's right because we love him? You know what the answer is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because of all that God has done for us, every time we do something, our motivation is out of a heart of love. But let me propose this to you today. Rewards does not negate serving God out of love. In other words, rewards can exist at the same time as loving God. Because think of it like this. You've got kids, and you you love them with all your heart. And you want to do things for them, right? But you want to help them learn and grow and do the right thing. And so you might say, like for instance, I might say to my son Micah, he's four years old. I might say, Micah, if you can keep your room clean for a week, we're not up to that yet. If you can keep your room clean for a week, I'll take you to McDonald's. Man, that's, that's like taking him to heaven. I mean, he really likes McDonald's. Okay? If he does that for a week and is all excited because at the end we get to go to McDonald's, does that somehow negate his obedience to me, his love for me? No. Because I'm the one that offered it, right? Now, if he had come to me and said, Dad, um, you know, I want to clean my room, and will you promise at the end of cleaning my room that you'll take me to McDonald's? because I really want to go to McDonald's. And then he does it. The motivation's kind of all backwards. And then we're kind of like, you know, why aren't you just doing it? Because you're like, you've been told to. Okay, you see the difference? God has said, this is what I want to offer you. I love you. I want to offer this to you in eternal life. Now, maybe you don't believe me quite yet. I want you to take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11. God is the one that made this deal up. We didn't make it up and go back to him and say, hey, we want stuff too. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he, help me with the next word, rewards those who sincerely seek him. I learned this in a, a, different, a different translation. and It says, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. He's the one who came up with this structure. He says, I want you to serve me because you love me, but I also want to bless you with these amazing things that are going to last for all of eternity. Now that sounds like a deal we need to get in on because it's not, it's not counter, counter serving God out of love. It's saying, do this and store up treasures for yourself. Now there were some famous guys in the Bible who bought into this deal. For instance, Moses, you look over in verse 26 of that same chapter. Verse 26, Moses totally bought into the rewards program. He thought, this is talking about Moses, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great 
reward. In other words, he, you know, he, the story is, I don't know if you know the story or not, I don't have time to go into it, but he basically, he had everything. He was in Pharaoh's palace. He left it to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And the Bible says that he didn't think that was anything compared to what he would receive one day for that labor. Okay, Moses was looking forward to his great reward. How about Paul? Paul said he was definitely looking forward to his reward. 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, one of the crown things we talked about just a minute ago, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Paul was looking forward to it. He didn't think it was contrary to serving God out of love, because if anybody loved Jesus, it was Paul. And he said, I'm looking for that prize. And I love the fact that he also kind of throws this in for you and me. That prize is available, that crown of righteousness for all those who eagerly await his coming and are living in light of the fact that he could show up at any moment. That's so cool. Well, what did Jesus have to say about it? Jesus knew a thing or two about what's going on in heaven, right? He was the, he's the only one who's been there and been here. So let's look over at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. Jesus says... Not just, hey, there is a rewards program. Hey, if you feel like making yourself uh, a part of this, you know, go ahead. Jesus doesn't just kind of mention it to you and go on. He gives you a command right here. Check this out. Verse 20. Store your treasures in heaven. Mark talked about this last week. To heap up, to, to stockpile your treasures in heaven. In other words, do the things now so that when you get to heaven, you're going to have this treasure. Store your treasures there. Don't store them here. You got moths here. You got rust here. Have you ever been to a junkyard? If you think about a junkyard, this is such a cool thought. And this will help you the next time you're like really craving some new something, because we all do. Every one of those cars that is compacted and crushed and in that big heap, you know what I'm talking about? At one point, someone was sitting in that car with that new car smell, and they were just like, oh yeah, this is what life is all about right here. And now there it is in the junkyard. <laughs> you know, it's crushed. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. Why store your stuff here where all that junk happens to it? Why don't you send it on ahead, store your treasures in God's rewards program, and when God gives it to you, it's never going to rust Nobody can take it. Moths aren't going to eat it up, and it lasts forever. Forever. Not just this little short time that we have now. Think about that. Incredible. All right. Hopefully by now you're like, okay, that's cool. What do I need to do? How do I, how do I earn points? Okay, if we were in the My Coke Rewards, how do I get the points? Have anybody, has anybody in here done the My Coke Rewards thing? Just curious. Raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, if you have, is it hard to enter the stuff? Because I've been reading reviews online, you know, some people are kind of whining and acting like it's a really hard thing, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, don't do it if it's hard. But, you know, that's cool. You didn't find it hard. That's great. There went one of my illustrations. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> so maybe you're saying, okay, I've bought into this deal. I've bought into this rewards deal. What do I need to do? How do I earn the points? Here's just a, here's just a list, not exhaustive, but some stuff. Bible says that when you pray, you're laying up rewards. Matthew 6, uh, I think it's verse 6. Matthew 6, 6. 
Okay? Uh, when you endure persecution for the name of Jesus Christ, you're laying up rewards. Mark talked a little bit about that last week. When we undergo trials in this life, the Bible says that those trials are working for our glory. They're working for us. So think, think about that the next time you're going through some stinky thing in life, huh? Instead of sitting there going, oh, poor me, I'm just traveling through this weary land. You can go, you know what? Cha-ching. I'm like building it up up there. Okay? In fact, in fact, Jesus says this. He says, rejoice greatly in that day. When you're persecuted for Christ's name or when you suffer, when you are, when you are in, in, in trouble, God says that's building rewards for the future. That's a pretty amazing thought. Now, don't go out there and like tick people off so you can suffer. There's a scripture about that. <laughs> Another way is doing good to your enemies. Not easy, but God says that stores up treasure in heaven. Working is unto God. You might have a difficult boss. You might have a difficult work environment. You might work at home, and you think it doesn't matter. The Bible says when you work as unto the Lord, it's storing up treasure in heaven. All right? I'm hoping this is an encouragement to you, because anybody can do this stuff. Um, How about sacrificing temporary convenience for the sake of the gospel? In other words, we give up things now. We give. We act in a way that maybe people look at us and go, man, that was kind of a dumb move. You just lost on that. Bible says sacrificially for the sake of the gospel, there's a reward. Giving to those in need, Matthew 6, 4. Good deeds done in secret. Uh, in secret's the key there. Uh, because Bible says if you do something good and you like call attention to it and go, look at me. Uh, God says, guess what? That was your reward. How was it? That's what God says. Okay. But he says, if you do good deeds in secret, he says, the things that you do in secret, God will reward openly. That's quite a promise, isn't it? All right, there's a few others. Um, small deeds, even little things done in Jesus' name. In Mark 9, verse 41, Jesus says, even if somebody gives a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, that is rewarded. It says they will nowise lose their reward. Everybody has an opportunity to lay up these rewards. I want you to to understand that. It's not just the rich people. It's not just the smart people. It's not just the people that have a lot of resources. Everybody has an opportunity. In fact, Jesus told a story about a a vineyard and laborers in the vineyard. And and the guy goes out and the the leader, the the owner of the vineyard goes out and finds employees to come work. And he, he has some of them work at the beginning of the day and they work all day. And he has some of them come in the middle of the day and they work some. They come at the end of the day and but they all end up getting paid the same thing because they agreed to work for that. Some people use that to try to argue that there is equality in heaven. All the parable is trying to say is that God gives opportunities to different people and what he gives to somebody else doesn't really matter to you. You keep on doing your deal and he will reward you adequately as well. All right, so everybody has these opportunities. Everybody has this the same playing field when it comes to what you can do in heaven. I want to touch on one thing today, and I'm going to try, to try to make this quick. One area that God really talks about how you can lay up treasure in heaven, how you can experience this reward in heaven. You ready? It has to do with your money. Oh, ah, I knew they were going to talk about money in church today. Ah. Well, you know what? I, I cringed when I was thinking about this because I thought, man, I don't, I don't get to speak very often. And when I get up there, the last thing I want to do is have a bunch of people mad at me. But then I thought, wait a minute, there's no reason to be upset here because God is going to make some amazing promises. And instead of me being the bearer of bad news, allow me to be your financial counselor this morning. Okay? 
allow me to give you a little bit of financial advice uh, from God's word. If you are into investments, um, you know, there's all kinds of strategies, all kinds of things that they talk about. But one of the investment strategies is to invest in like an index fund, something that just kind of steadily does its deal. And you kind of do more exciting investments. You could do more boring investments, but you should probably have this in there somewhere. And he just kind of keeps going. And they talk about how wonderful of an investment this is because on average, if you put it in an index fund, like say like the S&P 500 or something like that, the average return on that investment is about 11%. And um, so that means each year, you know, if you invested a dollar this year, at the end of the year, it'll be a dollar and, uh-oh, 11 cents. Uh, and then from there, it gets more complicated, all right? It kind of keeps increasing. 11% a year, okay? And that's considered a, a really wonderful thing. I mean, if you get 11%, be happy, smile, go on. All right? Well, God has an investment plan. It's more than 11%. Let, let me just get you some interaction. How many of you think God says you invest and I'll give you like 20%? Anybody? At least 20%. At least 20%? At least, anybody? Are your arms broken out there? Okay. You think it's 20% or higher? Oh, I, I just worded it wrong, right? Okay. 30% or higher? 100% or higher? Oh, 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 got some wavering here. Some hands went like this. Whoa, 100%. God says in his word, the return on investment with him, are you ready? 10,000%. 10,000%. He says it like this, 100 times. 100 times something is 10,000%. Now, lest you think I'm just pulling numbers out of the air, maybe my translation is kind of goofy, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Look at verse 29. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. In other words, Jesus is saying, when we sacrifice things here, we're going to get so much more of a reward in eternity. He tells another story, uh, and it's kind of an odd story when you first read it. It's just like this one, two verses. He says, the kingdom of God, he's talking about heaven, is like a mustard seed. Uh, Well, he's already lost me at that point because I really have never planted a mustard seed. But I've looked at them. They're little tiny. He says, you plant the mustard seed, and it grows, and it becomes the biggest of the plants in your garden. It actually kind of puts out branches Birds come and live in it. It just becomes like this whole little micro-environment. And, and you might go, okay, that was really helpful. Um, I'm going to go out and plant mustard seeds. What Jesus is trying to say is when we do something small in the kingdom of God, it gets huge. It gets gigantic, okay? It goes way beyond anything that you can imagine. All right, so that's what God's promise is. Now, here's the deal. This is, this is the part that's going to rock your world because it, it's so cool. Are you ready? You came in and you thought that, that you are a property owner, right? Some of you own a house or you own a car or you own the clothes on your back or you, know, you own something. I've got some, some interesting news for you today. You ready? God says it's not yours. No, no. Oh, great. God says, in fact, it's all his. And he says that he has been kind enough to let you keep it for him for a little while. Okay? He says that he has actually asked you to be the manager of it. 
Think about that for a second. The manager of it. The Bible uses a word called steward, which actually means a servant who kind of oversees some things for the master. That's what God has said about anything that you own. You think about anything you own, it's God's. The cool thing on the wall at home, the, you know, the, the flat screen TV, the, uh, the car, the lawnmower. Some of you are thinking, God, you can go ahead and take the lawnmower. <laughs> it's all God's, okay? So that's going fr- to frame this discussion that we're about to have. Because here's what's amazing. is God says, even though this stuff is not yours, if you will invest it, I'll give you the interest. I mean, that doesn't make sense. If, if I give you something and ask you to manage it for me, I'm saying you manage it so I get the interest. That's why, you know, that's why I'm having you do, do the deal. God says, you do it, you get the reward. You get the benefit of managing my resource as well. An incredible deal. Now, here's the deal. God has given you what he talks about in his word as earthly riches. Stuff. Money, abilities, talent, whatever. He just calls it earthly riches. Look over in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I'm in John, Luke chapter 16. I started reading and I thought, that doesn't look right at all. All right, verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, God's kind of going, you know, this little thing you got going here, this life deal. If you're faithful in little things, uh, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Now, here we go. And if you who are untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Now, you might try to spiritualize that and go, you know, true riches of heaven. I mean, that's going to be like spiritual things. He says it's true riches. It's in a discussion about finances. It's in a discussion about stuff, about things. Go on down here. It says, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, we just said you're holding on to somebody else's stuff, right? If you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? So what God's hinting at here is he says, if you are faithful in the little stuff now, the things that you're carrying for other people, for God, then one day I'm going to give you the true riches and you're going to own them. I'm just reading what God says here, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to go extra biblical here. I'm just trying to let you know that's what God is saying. That's, what it, that's what's at stake here. God is not trying to get his hands on your money. I like what Mark says. He says, God's not trying to get his hands on your stack. I think that's, that's kind of a funny picture. Uh, he's not trying to do that. What he is trying to tell you is if you will manage well here, I got some extra big rewards for you to, to give you in heaven that are going to last for all of eternity. Are you getting the picture here? God wants what's best for you. He made you. He knows what's going to fulfill you. He also knows how big eternity is compared to how ridiculously small this life is. Okay? Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to, we're going to start making this real practical. 1 Timothy chapter 6. How many of you in here are rich? Yeah, some of you came last night. I see that. All right, yeah, when I asked that question, we're like, no, I'm not rich. I mean, I had to drive I had to drive myself here this morning. I didn't have a chauffeur. You know, when I fly, I have to get on the plane just like everybody else, and I don't own the plane, and, you know, I don't own 14 houses, and, and we think of that as rich. Well, I got some news for you, and it was real exciting, actually. Um, 
you came in thinking you probably were a poor, you know, middle-class American, poor, downtrodden, middle-class American. And um, I'm going to tell you right now that you're rich, okay? Here's why, here's why you're rich, even from a human standpoint, okay? Um, I, did, I, I had to tweak my numbers because I actually looked the stat up last night. But if you have some sort of shelter to live in, okay, shelter, um, if you have enough food to eat to keep you from dying, not enough food to keep your stomach from growling while I'm talking, enough food to keep, keep from dying, okay? If you have some form of reasonably reliable transportation, I'm, I, you are in the top 15% of the world's wealthy. Top 15%. That means there's like five point something billion people in the world who are poorer than you, if you had that. Do you realize that there are 1.1, this stat was from 97, so I'm sure it's higher now, 1.1 billion people on the planet who make less than the average of a dollar a day. Starting to feel a little wealthier now? Um, If you happen to have two cars or you have like a hobby that requires some equipment or something like that, you've moved up into like the top 5% of the world's wealthy. If you make like 40,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. Let me ask the question, how many of you guys in here are rich? Yeah, we are all rich comparatively speaking. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. There's a reason I asked you that. I'm not just prying into your personal finances. Okay, it says, teach those who are rich in this world. Aha, it's you guys. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. How many could testify this morning money is pretty unreliable? Yeah, there's a verse over in Proverbs. I love the picture. It says, money sprouts wings and flies away. Man, that that describes my checking account right there. Wings and it's out of here. Uh, Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's a whole sermon in itself that I don't have time to preach. Tell them to use their money to do good. So you ready? Use your money to do good. I'm telling you that. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So there's some points here. Use your money to do good, to store up rich, or to store up good works, okay? Get this, verse 19. Are you ready? This is the reason why you should do that. Not just because you're a good person or that God's going to bonk you on the head if you don't. God wants what's best for you. Listen to the investment plan. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Okay? In other words, God's saying, don't waste all of your stuff here Use it to lay up treasure there so that when you get to that judgment seat of Christ and God says, here is what made it through the fire, it's going to be a big pile, not a little pile, not a little thing, okay? God's saying, use this and lay it up for treasure to come. Now, I'm going to get real practical with you. The Bible says that you need to be smart about your investments. The Bible says you should plan for the future. It talks about that in Proverbs. If some of you have retirement plans, that means you're thinking ahead. You're thinking in the near future. Okay? You're thinking in the next 50 years, the next 40 years, 30 years. But how much thought are you putting in your investments into what's going to happen 100 years from now? 
120 years from now, 150 years, 200, 300, 4,000 years from now. What are you planning? What are you laying up for that? Here's what God says. Invest. Be smart. Put your money where it's going to do the most good for eternity. Put your money where it's going to make a difference in God's kingdom. I'm going to tell you a couple of ideas. One is this. Our church, this church, churches around the world, God is designed to be the primary tool to reach people for Jesus Christ. It's our purpose here to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. So every time you give money to this church, you are investing in eternity. Now, I got I to do this real quick because I'm already out of time. Man, my mouth can run. All right. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the left-hand side of your Bible, it says that the, the people of God were to give 10%. It's called a tithe, okay? Now, some of you Bible scholars might look at me and go, Haha, I'm going to get you on this because God doesn't say we have to tithe in the New Testament. You're right. He doesn't. But God says in the New Testament, we're under grace. That means by grace we're saved, by grace we live, and all these things. But here, you, you don't want to know what's amazing? Is every time God talks about grace compared to law, guess what? The numbers go up. They don't go down, okay? So some people say, you know, I think we should just give cheerfully and freely and full of grace, and I feel like giving nothing. I I hear this. I've read this from people. And we somehow think we're justified because we're under grace. Well, God says, man, 10% was the law. You had to do it. That 10% should be the floor, not the ceiling of your giving. Some people I talk to, they're really proud of themselves because they say, you know, I'm up to giving 3% 3% to, to God's work, and I'm, I'm working on getting it up to 10. Guess what? Like, like 10 is some kind of big spiritual standard. Like 10 is like this, you have arrived. You are now giving 10%. It's an investment. People think about this. 10%. We're saying there's a 10,000% return. Why would we be like trying to go, oh, I make sure I don't put too much in there. Don't put too much in the, the offering. Make sure I don't give too much to this. 10% is the minimum. I'll quit going on and on about it. The second thing is this. Be smart in other investments. I think you should give lots to this church. I think you should give lots to other organizations that are doing something for the kingdom of God. Now you're going, wait a minute. How much are we talking about here? Lots and lots and lots. What in the world? Um, you know what? You have the ability to give to whatever you want to give to. Did you know that? That's going to come as a shock to some of you. And I know I haven't been looking in your checking account or, or doing like a you know, background check on any of you. But I will just tell you this. When you want something to happen, you make it happen without fail. And so if you really bought into this idea of God God is going to reward my investment, you're going to make it happen. It can happen to any one of us, all right? Be smart in your investment, though. Don't just go throwing out to any old organization and go, oh, boy, they seem like a nice bunch of people. Do some research, just like you would when you're investing. Go, hey, what are these people doing for eternity? If they're doing something for eternity, man, you can have some of my resources, be smart. The third thing is this, give to those in need. You know, in America, we're really up. We got the blinders on. You know, as long as we're okay, we're not going to look at that person over there because that might make us feel bad. You know, somebody comes to us and they need some help and we go, you know, I'd love to help you, but I'm kind of maxed out as it is. That's a whole other sermon in itself. (laughs) Give to those in need. Give. When you do that, you are investing in eternity. It's not that God wants to take your stuff or make your life miserable. Remember, he knows what's coming. 
He knows that if you'll do that now, you're going to be blessed so much in eternity. And we're not just talking about spiritual blessings. We're talking about real life, quality of life, living forever based on what you do now. What a deal. Now with Coke, that's my Coke rewards. You know, you could, uh, you could do all the points, get a NASCAR hood. You know what you have to do to get the NASCAR hood? How many of these Cokes you have to drink? This is great. Somebody did the numbers, 32,000 12-ounce cans. Isn't that great? Somebody did this little deal, and they discovered that if you actually tried to drink that much yourself in the time given, you would die. Or gain 1,300 pounds, because it's, um, yeah. Well, here's the cool thing. What God asks us to do in his rewards program, not just, it doesn't just benefit us in eternity, it benefits us right now. It gives us fulfillment, purpose, and hope, and understanding that everything that we have is God's. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, we love you today. We are so grateful for these truths that we've heard today, God, how you want us, want us to invest in eternity, to not get wrapped up in this little life here, this little, uh, this little 60, 70 years. God, you want us to lay up treasures in heaven. Please continue to speak to us about this. May we not just walk out of here and forget. May we discuss this at the lunch table. May we discuss it with our coworkers. May we discuss it as a family. And Lord, would you work in our hearts to help this truth to become more than just philosophy, God, but help us to be the way that we live. Maybe you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Because the Bible says that the single most important decision that you can make is where you will spend eternity. You need to enroll in this rewards program that we're talking about. Right now, you're on the outside looking in. I want to tell you how to do it. It's like this. The Bible says recognize that you can't get to heaven on your own. You're a sinner. Every one of us is a sinner. Can't make it to heaven on our own. We needed a Savior. Jesus came to be that Savior. He lived a perfect life. He died, shed his blood so that we could forever live in heaven with God. And he says all that you have to do is believe that he did that for you. Turn from your sin and you're on your way to heaven. If you'd like to do that today, would you just pray with something like this in your heart? God can hear you. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've done wrong. God, I want to change my life, and I need you. Lord, I understand that you've died for me so that I can go to heaven. Thank you for that. I understand I can't get to heaven on my own. Thank you for loving me enough to make a way for me to go to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just made that decision, would you take just a moment over the next minute or so and just fill out something on your guest registry card? The Bible says that when we accept Christ, we should tell somebody about it. We should let somebody know because that's just a huge thing. So would you just let us know? You can um, drop it in the offering plate in just a second. We'd love to send you some material just to kind of help you grow that next step to know what it's all about, this laying up rewards in God's rewards program. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Ushers, would you guys go ahead and come down forward? And this is our opportunity to give, as we were just talking about. I want you to, I want you to think in the future as these offering plates uh, go down your row. You know, I want you to plan and be intentional and think, man, this is just like investing in my 401k. This is just like investing in my IRA because God says there's amazing things coming. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be a part of this incredible rewards program. God, it's all about you, and thank you so much for thinking of us and allowing us to be a part of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.